Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. A lot of us had stuffed animals while we were growing up, and some of us still have them as adults. But the book we're talking about now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is all about some very special stuffed animals. It's titled The Animal's Poem Book. It's written by Hannah M. Burt, and I'm going to find out all about this book. Hannah is sitting here with me now. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. The pleasure is all mine. Hannah, can you tell me all about The Animal's Poem Book? Yeah, so The Animal's Poem Book is a collection of poems and short stories and the idea is that these 10 little stuffed animals who are the central characters of the book, they're writing these poems and having me put them together in a book. The poems, they mainly focus on the animal's everyday life and their friendship with one another. And their diverse personalities really influence the way they perceive the world around them. Hannah, what sorts of readers do you think would really be into this? I wrote this book as a children's story, so little kids would probably be my maid on it. But, like, it can also be a family read, too. Like, I have some family friends who are homeschooling, and they use the animal's poem book as a part of their homeschool curriculum. They read one poem every morning. And then I have another friend. She bought the book for her granddaughter, and her granddaughter lives far away, but she'll read it for her whenever she gets the chance. Hmm. How did you get the idea for this, Hannah? Honestly, I don't remember. Because <laughs> when I decided to write the book, I didn't really think it would ever become anything. Like, I didn't think I would publish it. So I think my main thing when I decided to write the book, I've always loved poetry, and I always wanted to write my own poetry. So I think I was like 12 when I really started writing my own poems, and they were kind of, most of them were based off my animals, my stuffed animals. So one day I kind of just decided to put them together in a book and that was the beginning of this whole adventure. It sure is an adventure when you publish a book. Have you ever done anything like that before? No, this is my first published work. Congratulations. That's a big deal getting that first one out there. A lot of people, they say, yeah, we're going to write a book, but man, they never do it. And you did it. So congratulations. Thank you so much. So did this take you a long time to produce both writing it, going through the illustrations and the whole publishing process? Yeah, it took me four years to actually write it, mainly because I wasn't focusing on it like constantly. Mm. I worked on it on and off throughout the years, just kind of refining it and adding in the illustration. And then the publishing process took about six months. So it was really easy, the whole publishing process. Speaking of the illustrations, you're multi-talented. Not only did you write this, but you illustrated it too. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. So when that first copy came in of this, Hannah, and you actually got to see this physical thing that you made, what was that moment like for you? It was amazing. Like, being able to hold it as, like, a book, not just, like, a computer file, but an actual book with a cover and actual physical paper pages. It was just amazing. I felt so excited and kind of proud of myself at the moment. Like, this was something I'd created. It was my creation, and it was so amazing to be able to hold it in my hands. Do you think you would do more writing and publishing in the future? 
Yeah, I would definitely love to make a career out of that. I'm actually working on another book. This one is more of a middle grade, young adult. I probably won't get it published for another few years, but I definitely want to make a career out of this. Fantastic. And when it came to the publishing end of things, there's so much involved. It can take a lot of work. What did you find the most challenging part of that for you? I don't know. I think it was all really easy, the publishing process. I think the most difficult part is probably now that it's over the marketing of it, mm. trying to market my book. And now that you've done this and it's been quite a learning experience, I'm sure, do you have advice that you could throw out there to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? Yeah, I think my best advice is probably write the book you want to read because you're going to have to reread it over and over as you refine it and edit it. I think so many children, so many families are going to enjoy this book. Again, it's titled The Animal's Poem Book. It's written by Hannah M. Burt and is published by Covenant Books. So you can get it everywhere. Go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes. Also traditional brick-and-mortar stores and you'll be able to pick this up. Hannah, thanks so much for coming on the show and tell me all about this book. I had a really nice time. Thank you. I had a great time, too. There's a new audio book. It just hit stores, written by DeWitt Gale. It's titled Hammer Blows, Why Christian Sinning Matters. I'm going to find out all about this audio book. DeWitt is joining me here right now. DeWitt, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much, and I just appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. I appreciate your time, DeWitt. Can you tell me all about Hammer Blows? What can we expect here? Well, Hammer Blows, basically, I mean, in the bottom line is a book about Jesus and about how we as Christians affect him directly when we sin or, or let ourselves sin, and that we can learn to not sin and to, you know, to help Jesus by not inflicting what I call Hammer Blows on him. What inspired you, DeWitt, to sit down, get started on this book, and have it published? Well, the idea for the book originally came about after I became a Christian. I was an atheist for probably almost, till I was almost 40. Mm. And when I came to Christ and I was learning and going in, you know, through the process, I noticed that there are a lot of Christians that believe things that I believed as an atheist. Mm. You know, over time, I just felt like that needed to be addressed. And I felt like that the biggest issue is the fact that people just don't understand that there is a different avenue that they can follow, a path, as Jesus calls the narrow path, that leads away from sin and towards righteousness and towards Jesus. Dewitt, who were you speaking to with Hammer Blows? Who do you think would like this the most? Primarily, this book is directed towards the Christian church. In my opinion, the Christian church is not doing what it needs to do to be about the work that God wants us to do. I don't think that you can be living in sin or having sin in your life frequently or perpetually and be doing God's work. It just is not effective. And I think as demonstrated by the fact that a large number of children that grow up in the church and leave and go to college and into life, you know, 70 to 80 percent of them walk away from the faith and maybe even as high as 85. Wow. And the reason is because they are not taught how to walk with Christ in everyday life. Wait, is this your first time writing and publishing, or have you done this kind of thing before? This is my first time I've ever published anything. I've always wanted to be a writer, I guess, even when I was in high school. I wanted to be a writer, but it's just never, nothing I ever pursued, you know, with life and kids and career and all that sort of stuff. But this is the first time I've ever published a book, ever really actually written, sat down and wrote a book. This one I had been on my brain for years, you know, like I said, even after I became a Christian and short time after that, probably 15 years ago when the, first, the idea first hit me. 
the Lord had to get me to a place of really compassion from his perspective to write this book versus righteous anger from my perspective to write the book. Being that you were new to the world of writing and publishing, DeWitt, did this take you a long time to get done? Like I said, I had the idea about 50. So some of the groundwork, the research had been done over the years. But when I felt the Holy Spirit, you know, telling me last May, June to sit down and write this book, finish the book, it took me really about two months to finish it and get it done. Like I said, a lot of the groundwork, the research had been done throughout Bible study over the years. And I've always kept notes and wrote things down about what I thought would be that would go into this process, something that was relevant to it. And so I had a lot of notes and stuff that I'd already done, messed with. But yeah, when I sat down to write the book itself, it about two months. And when you finally got that first one in, you got to hold it actually in your hands for the first time. There's a book with your name on the cover and everything to it. What was that like? You know, that's really, it, it's so surreal. I mean, you just kind of look at it and it just, it really doesn't make sense sometimes. You just kind of look mm-hmm. at it and you're just like, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I love to read. I like, I've held a lot of books in my hand, but to hold mine, it's got my name on it. It's just, <laughs> it's really just kind of a little bit awe-inspiring. But, you know, the reality is, is, you know, I know the Lord directed it and the Lord wanted it. That's why I put it out there. What are the chances we're going to see another one from you here in the future? I'll be honest with you. I don't have any plans for any other books. I might. I like to write. I believe I have the gift for it, but it's just whether, you know, I just don't know. I don't have any plans for any Mm. other books, but it's a possibility. You know, I just, I haven't really considered it. My only focus right now is to get this book out. If it gets into the hands of the people, the Christian church will help inspire revival in the church, which I think that's what we need. I think this book is really going to bless a lot of people. It's an audio book titled Hammer Blows. Why Christian Sinning Matters. It's written by DeWitt Gale. And this is published by the Audiobook Network. Get it everywhere that you pick up your audiobooks, like Audible and the Apple iTunes Store and Amazon as well. DeWitt, thanks again for telling me all about your work coming on the show here. I had a nice time chatting. Well, I certainly appreciate you, and I really appreciate the opportunity to just get some information out there for people about the book, and I hope it blesses some people's lives. I have a cute little book here written by Annie Hendren. It's called Stop, Look, and Listen. And I'm going to find out all about Stop, Look, and Listen. Annie is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. The pleasure is all mine, Annie. Can you tell me all about Stop, Look, and Listen? It's about a a little boy who uh, is going to school and his family is teaching him how to walk across the road safely without getting hurt. It's really important. Uh, What kind of children were you speaking to here? What age range do you think? We are looking at the ages of four to eight. And where did the idea for this come from, Annie? How were you inspired for this? Well, my husband and I, when our kids were growing up, we used to sing them this little song to teach them how to cross the road. And Mm. so I just created this book with that in mind. Have you ever done anything like this before? Have you ever written or been published? No, this is my first one. And I'm very excited about it. Congratulations. Yeah, you ought to be excited about it. Not many people do that, get their first book out there. Did this take you a long time to do? It only took me about six months to write it and then get it published. What did you find the most challenging part about the whole thing? You know, I got to tell you, I don't think any part of it was challenging. It was a little hard trying to find a publisher, but as soon as I found a publisher, everything just went very smoothly. Hmm. As far as me writing or doing the artwork or anything like that, it just kind of poured out of me. 
So you did the artwork for this as well. I did, yes. Well, usually when I write, I do it page one, and then I'll write what's going to be on page one. That way, when I'm ready to do the artwork, it kind of flows with what I want to put together, so it makes it very easy. Oh, very smart. Annie, you got to tell me about that moment when you open your mailbox, and there it is. You get your first copy of Stop, Look, and Listen, and you finally get to hold this thing you were working on, and your name's on the cover. Must have been quite something. What was that moment like? You know what? Let me tell you, it was an overwhelming feeling of just joy. You know, you just kind of, oh my gosh, I did this. <laughs> you know, that was awesome. Do you see yourself doing it again? Maybe doing a sequel to this or some other kind of book in the future? Absolutely. I uh, actually have two more books as the publisher right now. Oh, wow. Well, you're quite prolific, Annie, and now you went through this publishing thing for the first time. So, what advice would you offer to the first time aspiring authors out there? Don't stop. Follow your heart and just keep going. It's going to happen for you. Well, you got your first one out there, Annie, and you got a lot more on the way. So to you, what's the most rewarding aspect of now being a published author? I would say is my family. They're so proud of me. And I mm. think that that is just a really, really cool thing. And a lot of us authors, we like to write, but that also means we like to read as well. They often go hand in hand. What kind of reader are you, Annie? You know, I, I, I will read anything. I don't like to get stuck on one thing. I think it's really good for your brain to read as much as you can of anything. Absolutely. So do you have a routine when you write? You know, some of us like to write first thing in the morning, really early, or maybe real late at night. But then others of us, we just write whenever we find the time and we find the inspiration. What kind of writer are you? I also get up in the morning. I write from about 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. every day. Also, if I'm out and about and an idea pops in my head, I always write it down, no matter where I'm at. Very wise. Of course, I'm not driving. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> so when you write things like this, when you write things like your novel, do you have an outline where you know how things are going to go beginning, middle, end? Or do you start out with maybe an idea, maybe a scene or a character and start writing and see where it goes? I start out with a scene and a couple of characters. And then it just kind of pours out of me. I just keep going. Do you ever get writer's block or those times when you really want to write, but just nothing's coming out? I do not. I truly wish that I could have done this my whole life. This is just a new chapter, <laughs> I should say, <laughs> in my life. And it is the most fantastic thing I've ever done. Well, this book has a really important message. I think children and families alike are really going to be into it. Again, the title is Stop, Look, and Listen. It's written by Annie Hendren, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can get it everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Annie, it's been so nice talking with you here tonight. Thanks again for joining me. Oh, thank you so much. Anytime. You have a great evening. Well, the book I'm looking at right now and that we're going to be talking about is truly an amazing story. It's titled, From the Cartel to the Evangelist. It's written by Jay King, and Jay is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and I get to find out more about this book. Jay, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate your time, Jay. Can you tell us all what you wrote about in From the Cartel to the Evangelist? Yeah, perfect. You know, it's a book that I wrote about my past life in general. I feel a lot of change, and I met you know, Jesus Christ about my situation that I've passed in the past. 
from the character to evangelist, you see uh, in the past, you know, I was involved in, in those type of situations. And thanks to God, you know, I, I, you know, he opened the way and I got the right path. And right now I'm teaching young people, you know, to not follow those type of steps in general because you have consequences. I love that you took everything that you've been through and are using it to reach out and help the young people today, Jay. What inspired you to write this? Where'd you get the idea to tell the story? Okay, perfect. You know, there was a lot of situations that people didn't want me to tell the story. Mm. For the simple fact, you know, about details and things that you pass in those type of steps. But everything inspired me. It was to God, you know, to the mm. faith of God. Everything inspired me, you know, to tell people that you don't really have to go out there to find a testimony. You know, the biggest testimony you could give, you know, that God never let you fall down. Are you an experienced writer? Have you done this before or is this your first book, Jay? Yeah, but you know, it's my first book in general, and pretty much I hope it's a blast for everyone in prison and every place, you know, the book is being read. Oh, congratulations for getting that first one out. Uh, did this take a long time for you to write and then put through all those publishing processes? Yeah, uh, correct. You know, it took me like around what, what, one year in general to get stuff done. You know, I was traveling, doing a lot of things at the same time, and thanks to God, I, I got a chance to pray you know, about this book, and I got a chance to get this finished. So after that year in the making of From the Cartel to the Evangelist, when you got that first copy in the mail, Jay, and you got to hold it, actually, for the first time, what was that moment like for you? <laughs> it was very emotional. It was a lot of trouble trying to get this book out there in a situation. Because pretty much, you know, when you are in this type of role in your past life, there's a lot of people that they don't want you to, to talk or express this type of situation. But, you know, but life is a testimony, you know, and testimony are made to be told. And what advice would you have now, Jay, for the aspiring authors who are listening to us? Okay, perfect. Yeah, all, all my, my advice to all of those persons that is able to read this book and hopefully, you know, their faith will grow through this book. Just keep your faith in God. You know, if you have a dream, if you have something that you want to follow, just keep doing it. Never give up. Never say no. You're going to pass through a lot of situations that you're going to feel that you want to quit. But remember, you know, if Jesus didn't quit in the cross, why well, you should create right now, no? Mm, great advice. What are the chances, Jay, that we'll see more books from you in the future? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, you know, I'm in the middle of writing the second part uh, from the cartoon to the evangelist. So I got a big project that is coming. We got a big event that we're going to be presenting ourselves. We're going to have part two and part three. <laughs> Wonderful. Jay, what did you find to be the most challenging aspect of writing and publishing this book? I think, you know, the most challenging part of writing that book in general is like, you, you know, you're going to whatever you pass in the past. When you write a book about your testimony, about your life, so you pretty much are living that life back again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fighting and Lisa, <laughs> I repair myself for all this thing. And it was the most challenging for me, you know, uh, passing that life back again. Jay, who do you have in your life who can maybe motivate and encourage you when you're doing things like this? First is God, taking my kids and, and my wife, you know, every time that I see my kids and my wife, I give thanks to God, you know, they gave me an opportunity that I'm alive, see that during this process, he gave me an opportunity, you know, to follow his step, but main reason in my life to do what I'm doing is God. Well, Jay, your life is truly a miracle and how wonderful it is that you're using everything that God's done through you to help others. And I encourage everybody out there to go check out this book. Again, it's titled From the Cartel to the Evangelist. It's written by Jay King, published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
and of course available everywhere, so head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, even traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find this book. Jay, thank you again for joining me tonight and telling me about this wonderful story of yours. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Oh, perfect. I appreciate it. Have a blast day, and thank you for the opportunity and this invitation. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm talking with author Michelle Louise. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I just wanted to say congratulations. You have a new book out titled The Good News for Anyone Who Wants to Hear It. Michelle, can you tell me about it? Yes. This book has been a making for probably about eight years now. I wrote it in five days and... Basically, it's a lot of my life lessons written in that book. And when I wrote it, I had something to say. And I thought at some point, somebody is going to value what I have to say because they're probably going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing. And it was really me just putting my thoughts of the things that I've gone through in life and how it came out to be something good at the end of every story. And hence the good news. Love that message, Michelle. What persuaded you to write this? What was your inspiration to publish this book? I think I had hit rock bottom in life at one point. And when you do that and you start doing a lot of soul searching, after some of the trials I had gone through, I thought if I could just help one person, maybe that might be going through the same thing, understand that there is hope. Everyone has a story to tell. And if they can and they understand that and they can go through life looking at it that way and realizing that, you know, maybe we need to look at things as though it may be something that we can use for later in life. It's teaching us something now of something we're going through and it might seem detrimental or it might seem like there's no hope. But when I started writing this book, I was going through so many different things. And I had finally got to the end of a few things, trials and seasons in my life that I did see the good news at the end. And that's what inspired me to write it. Mm. Michelle, have you written or published before or is this your first time? Never. I have never had the thought to write a book. Mm. <laughs> I've never wanted to write a book. It was just something that was put on my heart. And when I sat down and, and I've been journaling my whole life. I had a very, very, very awesome therapist that, you know, when I was going through a few different things and wanting to understand some things in life, I started going to this awesome therapist and he gave me a really good piece of advice. And he said, if you will just put your thoughts on paper, it's easy to get rid of constantly thinking about the problem. Mm. And he said, start writing about it. Start writing your thoughts. Just get them out of your brain, out of your thoughts. Put it down on paper and just leave them there and move on. And so I was journaling for years. And when I started writing this book, it was so easy to write it. It just flowed out of me. I did come back to it probably a year or two years later, maybe added a little bit here and there, tweaked it a little bit, added a few things, other things that may have happened between you know the time that I wrote it and then. But for the most part, it was pretty fast. It all just got laid down on paper pretty quickly. Michelle, what was the most challenging part of it for you, especially when it came to that publishing end of things where there's a lot of different things involved? I learned a lot. <laughs> I did not realize the intricacy of every little detail. Mm. And 
when I had to start going over through the book, I started noticing little things that I probably should have added or put in there. And I started doing that and it just created a longer time of processing that, you know, review process and, you know, making sure that all the edits are done right. I've learned that, you know, there is a right way to say things, how to write them. That is grammar correctness. You know, the flow of a sentence should be done. And that was really eye-opening because you think you can just go through it once and then it's done. It was months of editing. And there wasn't a whole lot of edits. It was just I was always adding to it. Or maybe I wanted to sound a little bit different in my delivery. Well, it's all about seeing the good and the positive in everything in life. And that's what this book is all about. Again, it's called The Good News for anyone who wants to hear it. It's written by Michelle Louise. It's published by Covenant Books, and you can get it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Michelle, it's been really nice talking with you and learning about your story and about this book. I had a nice time chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed this immensely. Thank you. Based on the title of this book alone that I'm looking at right now, I'm already interested in what it has to say. It's titled, How to Get to Heaven. It's written by David Hawkins, and we're talking about this right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. David is here with me. David, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's glad to be here. Can you tell me all about this book? What did you write and how to get to heaven? Well, the book is about the seven steps that are required to get to heaven. I mean, I came up with seven steps. The first step is to repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To repent of your sins means to turn away from sin and turn toward God. And when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, all your sins are forgiven. That's a good thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That's the first step. Second step is to develop a close abiding relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is interesting because a lot of people don't talk about the Holy Spirit. They think about God the Father, God the Son, but they don't talk about God the Holy Spirit, which is part of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is a gift from Christ. So once you became a Christian, you got the gift and you, he instilled it into your body. And it's mm. going to be there for a lifetime. So it serves as a guide all along your journey to the heavens. So we need to depend on the Holy Spirit. We need to talk to the Holy Spirit and connect with the Holy Spirit, relate to the Holy Spirit. Mm. The third step is to study and meditate on God's Word. You must take time to get into God's Word every day. Getting into God's Word is more just reading the Bible. A lot of people just read the Bible. They think that's all you need to do. No, you must take time to analyze the purpose and meaning of Scripture and determine how best to apply it to your own daily life. Mm. That's what meditating, studying and meditating God's Word means. And I've done that for many, many years. I've read it over and over and over again, and sometimes I call it a different purpose, but it's good to continue to study hard and try to analyze it. The fourth and fifth steps are to have faith and follow in the footsteps of Jesus when your faith is to do all you can to follow Jesus where he leads you. If you should stumble along the way and encounter trials and tribulations, your faith will give you the confidence to persevere and reach the destination God has chosen you. You've got to remember that faith, it doesn't come from you, it comes from God. You need to understand that faith comes from God, and it's not something you can develop on your own. Hebrews 11 says, this faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then the fifth step is following the footsteps of Jesus which requires you to serve God, not yourself. Serve God, you must deny yourself and look for opportunities to share the gospel with others. That's another reason I wrote the book. I wanted to share the gospel with others, and I thought this would be a good way to do it. The sixth and seventh steps were to receive the gift of salvation and eternal life and be ready for the end times. You cannot earn salvation from the good things you do, for you are justified by faith apart from works. 
you also can earn eternal life, even though eternal life is something you will experience when you get to heaven. You receive the gift of eternal life while you're still on earth, and that's you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Those who fail to receive the gift of eternal life, unfortunately, will receive the punishment of eternal death. It's not really death, but it's eternal punishment. And only God knows when the end times will come. This is something a lot of people talk about. I have no idea when the end times will come. There's nothing, there's nothing we can look in Scripture and find out what's going to happen just before the time comes to an end. We know that the earth, Jesus will come when you least expect him. You therefore should make every effort to live a holy life and be prepared to go to heaven when Jesus returns. Those who are, have already died and were saved before their death will be resurrected into heaven. Those who are still alive will be raptured directly into heaven. We don't know when this is going to occur today, can occur tomorrow, can occur any time. We don't know when it will occur, but when it does, we need to be ready for the end time. And those are the seven steps that must be taken in order to get to heaven. A lot of people think it's only one step, and that's just to accept Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that's important that you got to accept him and then do what he wants you to do. you got to obey him. you got to honor him. you got to do the things he's asked you to do. Or you won't go to heaven. Hmm. David, how long of an endeavor was this for you from the time you sat down, started writing it, clear up until it was published? Yeah, you know, I had written two other books that were similar. One called How to Live the Best Life, and the other one's called How to Travel Down the Narrow Road that Leads to Heaven. And this, these two books were read, but not read by many people. So I thought of the, the idea of how to get to heaven, you take the content of those two books and combine them into one book and then add things to it. So it took me several months to do it, of course. Not a year, but several months. And I finally got it done and sent it off to the Christian Faith Publishing Company, which is where my other four books went that were published by them. Well, certainly non-Christians and churchgoers alike are going to get a lot from this book. Again, it's titled How to Get to Heaven. It's written by David Hawkins and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can get it everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. David, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you very much again. Sitting down right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm really happy to welcome L.E. Klein-Evans. Eve, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Gotta say congratulations. You have a new book out in stores. It's called Journey of Clarion. Eve, can you tell me what this is all about? Yeah, it's about a young girl that gets to witness creation happening. And what inspired this story? One day I was rereading Genesis, starting right at the beginning. I thought, I'm going to do this again. I haven't done it in a while. And I got so excited. It was like God just began speaking to me about when he speaks, things happen. And I just started to think how amazing it would have been to be there and actually see, you know, like light just happen or the water to just be there and, um, the sun and the moon and so on. And I got really excited about it. And I was just having devotions. And I think I said out loud, somebody should write about this. Obviously, creation is already written about, but I meant the excitement of God's voice speaking and the power behind it. As I said that out loud, I felt like God said in my spirit, you do it. <laughs> and since I've had been writing since I was really young, writing stories, you know, poetry, stuff like that. I was like, oh, okay. And I also had my kids in mind because I had a teenager. I think I had four kids at the time and the youngest being, you know, a baby. You know, it was in my heart to get across to them the magnificence of God and that he is this mighty voice that speaks and things happen. Eve, what sorts of readers were you speaking to here? Who do you think would be really into this? 
Well, I think my target audience, again, was my children and any children, especially young readers, I believe. And when it comes to writing and being published and everything, Eve, is this your first time or have you done this kind of thing before? I have never had a book published before. I've had poetry published before. How long of an endeavor was this for you once you sat down, started writing it, clear up until it was finished and published? Oh, boy. Well, it didn't take me long at all to write. I was the excitement behind it. And, you know, of course, the story's right there already. Mm -hmm. I have the facts. I just filled it in with, you know, what I thought it would be like for a young girl to witness this. And so, yeah, I wrote it in less than a day. I think I typed it the next day, read it to my kids. And then from there, I think I tried a publisher within a few months, a Christian publisher, and it just didn't really happen. For some reason, they thought it was too new agey, which baffled me because it was based on scripture, hmm. but whatever. <laughs> I was very discouraged. I was like, okay, uh, I think I waited like four or five years, tried again, and that didn't happen. And I think altogether, I tried getting it published three times. But to answer your question, the whole thing got written right away, but I just recently published it this year. So I'm very thankful to finally have it published. Talking about that publishing end of things, Eve, what was the most challenging part of it for you? I guess just you make yourself vulnerable because you feel like you poured yourself into those pages. I mean, it may be a children's book, but that doesn't make it any less important, you know, for me anyway, to get that message across, Right. especially when it comes to my faith. So the, I guess the most challenging was just opening myself up to letting people critique it again in the off chance that they might accept it. But then once they did, actually Covenant was really good. They were very supportive the whole way through. I was just thrilled that they read it. They liked it. I don't know. I don't really know what's the most challenging. I think just trusting it to people, putting it in their hands. And when that book finally comes in, you get that first physical copy of Journey of Clarion in, Eve, and you get to hold it. What was that moment like? Really exciting. I think I cried a little bit, mm. especially with the years that went behind it. <laughs> yeah, I think I cried a little bit, but yeah, I had a, just a sense of accomplishment for sure. I think readers are really going to be into this book. Again, the title is Journey of Clarion. It's written by L.E. Klein Evans and published by Covenant Books. So you can find it everywhere that you go shopping for books, like get on Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and even at traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you'll be able to find this book. Eve, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. I had a nice time talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Joining me again here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'd like to welcome Dr. Gerald Robison. Gerald, thank you for being here again. It is a delight. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm really glad to have you back, Gerald. You have a new book out titled, Where Did Grandpa Go? That's What I'd Like to Know, Helping Children Deal with Death and Loss. Gerald, can you tell me about this? Sure. Let me tell you why it came to pass. We had a family member who passed away very unexpectedly, and he left two grandchildren, very small, very young, and they had no concept of what death was. The only thing they really knew was Grandpa was gone. And even though they were raised in a Christian surroundings, they were rather mixed up on what they understood about death. One of them said, oh, well, Grandpa, after three days and three nights, he'll be back. And I knew from that 
the child had been in Sunday school and had heard some lessons about Jesus, he just didn't have the comprehension ability to really understand what happened to his granddaughter. So I was actually in the hospital when that happened, and I asked my wife, well, is there something we can buy that would help them through this death process? that would help them understand, and if not understand, at least something that would comfort them. And so she went to bookstores, Christian bookstores, and she really couldn't find anything that was satisfying. So while I thought during my hospital stay I would be writing something totally different, I ended up writing this book, and it's all in poetic fashion. Hmm. have a great illustrator, and being in poetic form, it just appeals to Kids. But this is not a book about doctrine. This is for children who don't even understand that. They just need comfort and solace. And so this is a book, well, uh, let me just give you the beginning. Today is very different. I know it quite well. I've been looking for my grandpa, and no one will tell. I've looked upstairs and down and then all around, but it's only my grandpa that I haven't yet found. And so, in this story, this child goes looking for Grandpa in all the places he knew to look. Grandpa's workshop, the haystack out in the backfield, and all the places they used to go. But Grandpa's not there. All he knows is everybody is sad. He knows people have said Grandpa died, but he doesn't understand. He can't grab a hold of that. And so, this is a story of how he deals with that how an angel appears and takes the memories that this child has of Grandpa, the places they went, the things they did, the times that they shared, the seat Grandpa used to hold him in, or maybe the book that Grandpa used to read to him. And he takes all these memories and places them in the child's heart. They put Grandpa someplace very safe. The child will never lose him. As long as he's alive, Grandpa's there in his heart. And any time he meets it, he can recall those stories, those episodes, those happenings. For me, this is what a child of that very young age needs. Being a pastor in the Christian faith, I couldn't guarantee these small children that Grandpa went to heaven because I never knew that in the Grandpa. And yet, you don't want to scare them or scar them saying, well, Grandpa's in hell. Mm. That's more of a tragedy than Grandpa passing to do something like that. So I was looking for something just to help children face this incredible, tragic event in their life. Mm. When you're in the midst of hurt and emotional distress and they've got to work their way through the grief process, they don't need doctrine. They need comfort. And that's what this book tries to supply. Well, this is a really important book, and I think a lot of children are going to be helped with it. Again, it's titled, Where Did Grandpa Go? That's What I'd Like to Know, Helping Children Deal with Death and Loss. It's written by Dr. Gerald Robison, published by Christian Faith Publishing. Go on to Amazon, get over to Barnes & Noble or iTunes or down the street at your local bookshop, and you'll be able to pick this up. Gerald, thank you again for coming on the show. Tell me about Where Did Grandpa Go and the whole process. I really enjoyed our time. Well, so did I. Thank you, and thank you to your listeners. I don't wish this an occasion that they need the book, but if they need the book, I hope they get the book. Caterpillars Can't Fly, 
Well, that's the name of the new book. I'm looking at it right now, written by Colleen Lindgren. And I get to find out all about this book. Colleen is right here with me now. Colleen, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Well, thank you. Good to be here. It's good to have you here. Colleen, can you tell me what you've written about in Caterpillars Can't Fly? Well, the basis of the book is found in Isaiah 60, verse 17. I was pondering that and thought that that butterfly would be a good explanation for the insight I was getting. Hmm. Would you want me to read it for you? Absolutely. Okay. For brass, I will bring gold, and for iron, I will bring silver, and for wood, brass, and for stones, iron. I will also make thy officers peace and thy exactors righteousness. So there are two sets of transitions in that one verse. One goes from wood to brass or bronze to gold. The other goes from stone to iron to silver. And there's probably about 300 hours of teaching in just that one verse, I think. <laughs> but basically, silver, I believe, represents our identity as being unconditionally loved by God because when they were building the tabernacles, the Israelites were to bring or the men over 20 were to bring one-fifth of an ounce of silver. The rich were not to bring more. The poor were not to bring less. The silver, without going through an iron state or a control state, so you have to give up your control to have your identity being based on God's unconditional love, which is what equalizes everything. In the control states, there's a pecking order. Who is more important? Who is less? You know, Hitler's blue-eyed blondes were more important. You know, you can just go a million different ways with that. But only when you get to the silver stage, I believe, in your identity can you enjoy the gold stage of your environment. Otherwise, you're stuck in the bronze stage. The gold stage would be the invisible world, the spiritual, supernatural. The bronze stage would be more the visible world. So I, I was thinking about them, and I thought, well, a caterpillar goes through that. They go from the egg to the caterpillar, and then through the cocoon to the butterfly. And... That's basically what the basis of my book was, is that Caterpillar was trying to fly before becoming a butterfly. And it's kind of an autobiography, I guess. I'm trying to do God's will and God's work without really having a good relationship with him. It's like a football game. You know, you, you want to catch the football, from what I understand, before you go into the end zone. Just going into the end zone doesn't really excite people much. You've got to have that relationship with God first. you got to get the football. Colleen, this is a children's book. Do you think adults would get anything from it? I've had several adults read it and really enjoy it, yes. Mm. <laughs> it, it's a good allegory, like Bruce Progress or High Speed on High Places and whatever. I know children enjoy it, but I think adults would also, especially if they identify like I do with Christy, the main character. When it comes to writing, being published, and everything like that, Colleen, is this your first time, or are you experienced in it? This is my only published book. I've written well over 200 poems and writings and different things, you know, subjects regarding God's kingdom and man's kingdom. So I do a lot of writing, yeah. It's just, I don't do it so much professionally, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. How long did Caterpillars Can't Fly take you, both writing, publishing, until it hit stores? What length of time was that for you? Well, writing it didn't take long at all once I got the idea. You know, it's just having a relationship between this little caterpillar or this little butterfly egg and Mr. Sun and why is he so big and I'm so small and all the stuff she goes through and as a caterpillar and whatever. 
In fact, I wrote it basically in one setting. Oh, wow. Just wrote it down. But finding somebody to illustrate it was a real problem. I finally had a good friend of mine when we were both living in Holyoke get illustrated for me. You know, I tried publishing it myself. That's usually what I do, but it's so out of color pages, so it was expensive, and people didn't give it back, <laughs> you know, when I'd give it out. So I finally went through Fish and Faith Publishing and had it published that way. Well, I think that children and adults alike are going to be into this book and really get a lot from it. Again, it's titled Caterpillars Can't Fly. It's written by Colleen Lindgren and published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can find it anywhere. Go over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you can pick this up. Colleen, it was really nice having you on the show tonight and learning all about your work. I had a nice time talking with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Memories of Home and Distant Wars. Well, that's the new book. It just hit store shelves. It's written by D.J. Wallace. And I'm going to find out more about this book. DJ is sitting here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. DJ, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Can you tell me all about what readers can expect when they open up memories of home and distant wars? Well, I'm a retired school teacher, and the teaching in the classroom, I've noticed that many people that I had, or many students I had in the classroom, didn't know much about the Second World War. And it impacted me quite a bit. I was born in 1937, and first contact or knowledge of the war came when the uh, Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. I was only three or four years old, but I remember the fear that I saw my mother's dead face when that happened. Mm. Thereafter, I was not very understanding or didn't have a comprehension of what was going on. But I had two older brothers that sat down and and told me what was going on. So it, it was to a point wherever I heard a plane coming over my house, I dove under my bed because I thought the Japanese were going to come and bomb us again. Wow. It was difficult for me to understand. Especially when I went to uh, my Aunt Beth's house, she would babysit me every now and then with my dad's sister. She had a son that was in the Second World War. He was the Ranger Division, and he was in the invasion of Normandy, and he was killed. And I saw the effects of it give my Aunt Beth. She was a casualty of the war. She wasn't even in it. So these kind of things was the impact of me about the Second World War. Now, what I didn't understand, it was explained to me by my brothers, my mom and dad, and I got a pretty good handle on what was it all about by the time I was five or six. A DJ, once you started writing this book, uh, did it take you a long time to complete it, especially considering the publishing end of things? Well, I had the story in my head. It was impacted. It was there. I knew about it. Mm. And I could recall it very easily. But I didn't start thinking about writing it until I got married. And my kids, my grandkids, started asking, Grandpa, tell me a story. So I told stories about the Second World War mm. and the effects of it on me when I was growing up. And they enjoyed it and encouraged me to get it published. And I took it so seriously that I went into a local printing company and asked them to run off about 20 books. I was going to pass those out and see what the impact was when they read it. And I got a very good response. And uh, I thought about it then. And I think Probably I should get it published. 
And I did. Have you ever done anything like this before, DJ? Written, published, anything like that? Well, I was wrote a lot in little articles on physical and cultural geography that I was a member of a group of people that were primary interest and in their study was physical and cultural geography and that kind of thing. And I did. I wrote a paper on adiabatic rates and wind behavior that was published. That was just an old article, though. What advice would you have, DJ, for the authors listening right now or just starting out? They're the aspiring authors. What would you tell them? Well, if you have a dream, go after it. Only thing you can do is you may fail, but the fact of it is that you have something in front of you that you'll remember for the rest of your life. DJ, do you got another book in you, do you think? Can we expect more from you? Well, I have one that I started. We went on a church mission to University of West Virginia. I taught religion there at the uh, University of West Virginia, and a guy told me a story about his marriage and how he came about, and it cracked me up because it was funny. I started writing it down and got together with him, and I'm still in the process of doing it. It's called Virgin Lips. So I think it would be a good book after I get it finished. Well, this book has so much important history in it. I encourage the listeners right now to check it out. It's titled Memories of Home and Distant Wars. It's written by D.J. Wallace. It's published by Covenant Books, so you can get it everywhere. So head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and even down the street at your local bookshop, and you'll be able to pick this book up. DJ, thank you again for joining me on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.